This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vols. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name, as ever, is Lyle Fulton, and I am joined this week, as I always am, by the wonderful Jackie Vors. Jackie, before we introduce our guest, our exciting guest for this week's episode, how are you doing this fine Friday afternoon? We're back where we normally are, Friday afternoon. It's a new year. How are you getting on? I'm okay, Lyle, apart from the fact that I went to the dentist earlier because I broke my tooth. So I won't be doing too much talking today because I might dribble. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair enough. We've just explained to our fantastic guest who will introduce very, very soon that Jackie has indeed been to the dentist. Half of her face <laughs> is currently anaesthetised. Uh, and much as she looks wonderful as ever, uh, half her mouth is uh, not working as it would normally do. And we'll leave it there. Uh, so there you are. But as I've mentioned, listeners, we are joined this week by our first guest of the new year. And what a guest it is. It is the wonderful Dina Perla Portnar, who is the owner of Dina Perla Business and the founder of the phenomenal the integrity talks i hope i've got all of that right and there's so much more to come as well dina because you do just extraordinary amounts of everything first things first how are you this fine friday afternoon and how has your 2023 been so far yeah great because <laughs> i'm with you on the podcast <laughs> yeah. so jackie kind. no worries your presence <laughs> is almighty you're here with us <laughs> <laughs> and i will still probably talk but I, I need to hide my face. <laughs> oh, bless you, bless you. No, it's and it's a real pleasure to have you on the podcast, Dina Perla. I've been told by Dina Perla because she is brilliant that I can henceforth call her DP on this mm-hmm. podcast. However, I kind of feel a little bit like when I run into like sort of old people I've met from school, and I feel like I kind of still have to use your official name. So apologies if I still continue to call you and address you as a Dina Perla, because also what a fantastic name. But Dina Perla, wonderful to have you on the podcast. As I've just mentioned. You are the owner of Dina Perla Business and the founder of the Integrity Talks, but you've also done so much more besides that. Can you just sort of explain, as we do with most of our guests when they come on the podcast, your career so far? Because it's a really fascinating story from when I've read up on it before we started this recording. Thank you so much. And first of all, thank you for um, having me. It's wonderful to be here. And actually, your energy is so great, Lyle. I should actually hire you every single morning to call no. me to do this pet no. talk. <laughs> it was loud. Not allowed, not allowed to poach me. Do it though, do it though. I'm free, no, do it. <laughs> really, really, the way to start 2023, amazing. Oh, that's um, so fine, thank you. Yeah, really, really. So yeah, I'm, I'm just a simple, small business owner. And uh, I started out back in the days, which is about 18 years ago, well, more over 18 years ago. And I started out in communications in the banking world. So ABNM were one of the biggest bank in the banks in the Netherlands. And then went on at the same time to do some journalism. So started out as a trainee, then, you know, created an own company, wrote a lot of different sort of pieces, uh, did a lot of translation and always, always worked in Dutch, English, French and made a lot of radio items, which I loved. So podcast is definitely in my lane. And uh, from then onwards, at some point, unfortunately, I ended up in IT and financial recruitment, which wasn't my dream job at all. And it was unfortunately because there was a crisis. So this was 2008, 2009. You remember the crisis back then. So this was temporary. And in the end, I'm very grateful that I have that experience because of course the networking that I did, uh, I learned 
learned a lot about account management business development and these building blocks that I got there, I still use them today as a small business owner. And after that, I got into, as it goes, the agency world. So it wasn't a very deliberate choice because I'm a storyteller by nature. That's who I am. That's the true essence of, of, you know, what I do, who I am, what I will be doing until the day I die. But it was more like business-wise, you know, it goes the way it goes. And I ended up in the agency world. So what I did is everything that you know of in terms of earned, owned, paid and shared media, if we're talking about the execution side of things, in other words, uh, PR, marketing, communications, global, local. So all the parts of the world that are Dutch speaking, English speaking and French speaking, and then German a little bit ad hoc. So a lot of external communications, uh, reputation, stakeholder management, these sort of things. And then also a little bit internal and strategically speaking, it would concern things such as trainings, workshops, and then some parts that are uh, actually the parts that I'm taking on to the integrity talks, and we'll get to that in a bit. And as a small business owner, apart from running this agency, I also started in 2016 and a lodges, as I call it, so Dina Perla Lodges, and that's a shared home hospitality concept or a bed without a breakfast. And my permit is for four people. I'm located next to the Museum Plain, so in the Museum District of Amsterdam. And and that's really, really, really nice. And then last, I'm a writer, speaker, and I uh, published a couple of, uh, you know, two books and, uh, and, you know, spoke about many, many topics um, that are quite stigmatizing, namely close-up communities. I fought my way out of one, uh, the ultra-Orthodox Jewish community in, in Amsterdam. And and different forms of coercion. It's a quite of a challenging history that I uh, had, and yeah, that's the third thing that I do. Now, here's the thing. Here's the you know the linking pin, if you will. As I already told you, you know, I'm I'm a storyteller at heart. That's it. So I'm a storyteller for my clients. I'm a voice for my clients. I'm a voice through my you know own work. So I, I'm a voice myself, and I bring the world to me. And that's how I'm also a voice. So how I connect and how I create a sort of impact. And now where I'm right now, starting 2023 and in this momentum of my career is that I'm changing up a little bit. And uh, yes, we're going to have a discussion about these new developments around integrity in our domain fantastic i mean so just that then so that's all you've done okay fine. no no I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, i mean that's that's incredible i mean that is a really incredible back catalog no, of things. you know now you know what honestly this is not like uh, you know me responding in a certain way it's as busy as i make it myself as in it sounds extremely glamorous wow you've done so many things and it goes you know into different lanes and so on But it's, first of all, it's not glamorous. Being a small business owner is truly hard work. I work seven days a week. I do everything by myself. And I'm also a bit of a loner. So that's also a sort of who I am. And it's, it sometimes sounds a lot and very glamorous, but it's also as much business as I get, right? So this is what I'm capable of. What I'm capable of, yes. But what you get in terms of being a small, tiny fish, you know, in this market and having to also compete with, you know, the large agencies, we all know the names and so on. It's not always easy, but delivering what I can offer, yes. And hard work and so on, of course. Fantastic. Brilliant. I mean, there's so much to unpick there, which is so brilliant. We are 
going to go on to talk about, obviously, the Integrity Talks. And I'm kind of after naming this episode Integrity in PR, Integrity in Marketing mm. and Public Relations, because actually, Jackie, myself, your message when you got in touch with us, by the way, listeners, yes, Dina Perla is one of the first to get in touch with the pod. So it's very, very exciting that Dina Perla got in touch with us. But we've been speaking about integrity quite a lot over the past few weeks when it came to talking about building your own profile, when, it, when we came to talk about key takeaways and KPIs. So when you got in touch and I was like, oh, this yeah, person actually too. runs a business that encompasses and centers around the idea of integrity and the idea of kind of making sure that you build those relationships is yeah. really amazing. We're going to come to talk about that in, in just yeah. a moment's time, but you spent, like you said, when you got in touch with us over 18 years in the, uh, the sort of PR world, the marketing world, agency world, if you like, what did you enjoy the most about agency work? What did you not necessarily enjoy about agency work? Uh, what what have you taken with you? Talk to us about sort of your experience and your takeaways. There you go, a bit of a segue, a bit of a link from one of our previous episodes, your takeaways from the agency world when, you, when you've worked there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give you sort of a summary because I've been there, done that, seen so much, of course, in 18 years. And my domains that I worked in were mostly IT tech, finance and professional services in the broader sense. So all sorts of flavors, you name it, you know, big data, risk governance, compliance, uh, products and services in terms of uh, computers, the whole thing, you, you get the idea. So quite serious topics, which is something that I loved. So I would not be necessarily, you know, the right professional to work in fashion or to work in lifestyle, what have you. And um, it's actually, you know, IT tech, finance, professional services, it's from the beginning onwards, you know, from the moment I started at ABN Emro, it has always been, you know, the, the networks in which I was actually active. What is really nice about the agency life is that you get to experience a lot of different ecosystems in the business world. So from, you know, champions of tomorrow, startups, up to large enterprises, international established companies, but also completely new ones, starting from scratch as a startup. So I've seen all these different ecosystems, different people, different ways of doing business and much more. And this is what I love. So I'm a person who decided when I was young that I would never put myself in one box in one lane and do one thing only in my career. I truly wanted to do different things at the same time. And I'm kind of, you know, passionate about doing so. And that's how I always done everything. So that's the beauty of working on the agency side of things. So many different people, so many different projects and so on. The downside is a matter of integrity. So I've experienced some rivalry, some, you know, sabotage in the market, some things that should never happen also, um, you know, between competitors. So this is something that you recognize as well, or clients that really have no clue how our work is done, you know, what is expected of us. And, and we are, for example, expected to correct something that is so rotten, we should not correct that as professionals, as you know, you know, what we do in terms of external communications, in terms of stakeholder management, relationship management, all of that, it should be on the fundament of, you know, of a healthy fundament, not a toxic fundament. This is an interesting thing. So I'm going to just interject here because I have a big problem with clients that come to me and expect me to spin things for them or think that that's my job, which it is not. But yes. I also, the word integrity or doing things with integrity, integrity is quite subjective. And what we think 
maybe doing something with integrity might not be to what other people think has integrity. Have you ever come across situations where you're saying this isn't something that is being done with integrity and people are fundamentally disagreeing with you and say, saying it is? Yeah, I have a very clear case about such a situation. Yeah, I came across it, you know, many, many times. But I have also one very, very clear case in which I was working for a larger agency as an external person, so as an external consultant. And I was basically put in between the client and the agency and also the talent and the agency, meaning this was a large agency with all sorts of international branches all over the world. One of the biggest one, one of the leading ones, and with amazing people that work there in terms of culture, I would say, but also in terms of talent, especially some international people that work for this agency. There are a couple of those people that I admire so much that I look up to, you know, on my career. However, they asked me for certain clients because they were about to leave and there were certain issues going on. But their ways of working was not something that I personally, as a consultant, as a small business owner myself, could stand behind because my rate card is really different. It's five times lower, right? It's not the same. And they could do that because they were the agency with their brand, but also with their international branches, meaning that they would get certain clients and certain pitches that I would never get, right? So my instinct or sorry, my way of working and also my instinct in terms of relationships with the clients were completely different. And the quality, I am very much a person of quality. I'm very much, you know, no blah, blah, quality results need to be met, whether it's right, left, up, down, we need to make it happen. KPIs are there for a reason, right? And I usually overachieve as well. Quality that I wanted to offer to the clients, it wasn't possible because I was restricted due to their business model and they could not change the business model. And I understood the complaints of the clients. So I was put in a very difficult position. Hmm. Now, to coming back to the internal talent, I was there as an external consultant, as an account director, and I had to take care of different account teams from account executive up to, right? So different levels, and I had to manage them. But I heard back from the team that they had preferences in terms of, so one consultant, for example, really wanted to build up something in the financial sector. Another one really felt, you know, other projects were more, you know, more aligned uh, with what they could do with their own capabilities. And I noticed a lot of things myself. However, as the agency model works, it's an agency model as a machine, right? So they have a certain forecast per half a year and a certain admin done and then certain capabilities, meaning consultants have certain amounts of hours that they are billable, that they work for clients and much more. So this machine was actually taking over the human aspect of these team members. And I felt so bad about that part, more even more than the part of the client that I just explained, that I could just not continue and I had to leave that agency. It's just, you know, how the breach appeared, in fact, you know, these are kind of matters that are gray areas, if you will. Other gray areas that you could think of are kind of products, which is basically now something that we know of, you know, integrity, culture, mentality within an organization, and then debates around what is integrity and what is not. Basically, how I always view it is that integrity is something that we all create together. 
It's not something that one person decides for the other. Yeah, it's it, it, yes, yes. And it's also something that is reflected by each other. Mm. So it's not something you cannot say of yourself, I'm a you know, person with integrity and I'm a person with humanity. No, it's something that is other people reflect that back to you. And sometimes you make mistakes and sometimes you have some blind spots and we're all human and it's fine. But it's about your intentions. What are the intentions are you willing to learn? As a, you know, as a senior consultant that you've been, what we tend to do in Demoso is we, when we first start client engagement, and I always do this now with my clients, some clients have said not to do this because they think it's not important, but now I insist upon it. And part of that, when we first engage a client, is we do a messaging and positioning process, which part of that is focusing on their core values. And when we understand their core values, we see whether our core values are in line with those core values. But also, more importantly, it is a unifying and positive process that you can go through and set as a benchmark against any of your communications activities are they aligned to that client's core values? And what I find is that when we're talking about organizations with integrity and acting with integrity in our communications for those organizations, the better ones are the ones that know what they stand for, that know what their core values are and have communicated those really effectively and practically to their staff and actually live those core values. Have you sort of engaged with organisations on on that side of things? And and have you seen that being taken forward into helping them act with integrity when you're planning and directing their communications? Absolutely. It's what I call the fundament of the home. Right. right? So we have to have that fundament of the home because otherwise if we start somewhere down the lane and we think, oh, right, they're just coming to us for just execution you will see you have to go back to that fundament of the home because it's not, you know, it's not built well. So these are really yes. important first steps. Yes, That's so such a good analogy. Exactly yeah. the same yeah. place. That's really good. And, you know, it is so important. We call them the foundations, the same. foundations of the home, the place that you build the home up from. So we're talking the same language with different words. That's so true. Is that something that you have sort of built up over the years with other clients? You work with them on those building those foundations. And how do you do that? Absolutely. Well, it's the fundamentals of the home. And the way to build that is through everything that you already know. And all our uh, listeners know it as well. So it do would they be- know. Do they know, DP? This do they it. know? Well, here we go. We're going <laughs> to test them. So it's all about the positioning, the core values in the really in-depth discussions and i would say here's the thing sometimes they think they know their values they think they have already a positioning in place and then oh my god oh my god the issues that come up right (laughs) we we get to experience the issues and sometimes they have their blind spots and they have great intentions but they don't see certain things or they don't know certain things in the market so this is all part of you know basically an immersion education phase a strategic phase however you want to call it and parts of it would also be a messaging house with the communication pillars what are we going to focus on and and how we build those messaging houses is really in-depth it's really part you know a lot of analysis a lot of intelligence is put in these processes as well and but the most important part is that your partners so that you're able to talk 
completely openly and transparently with that client and that they're willing to listen. Otherwise, the fundament of your collaboration is not in place either, especially now, because I sort of sent across a Dutch opinion piece, you know, just a couple of days ago to you and say, I started hey, reading, can... by the way, listeners, I did yeah. try and read it. Google Translate worked <laughs> overtime to try and read this Dutch opinion piece. And it was good. It how was far I got through it. <laughs> it was a long, long, long essay because, uh, as you know, uh, that uh, GPT was like exploding in the past weeks, you know, a uh, product of OpenAI, a company mm. in artificial intelligence. And, it, you know, even Google is completely worried at the moment and is putting their teams into building a new product that will probably have the same features. Microsoft is talking about collaborating with this part, et cetera, et cetera. What is, what is this about? It's about AI thinking over our work, meaning AI, that product can actually do competitor analysis. It's bizarre. They can create large essays through using artificial intelligence and much more. So there's a big worry at the moment between our people, whether artificial intelligence is going to take over. But I'm like, when I see all these developments, I do understand completely all the worry and everything that we're talking about. But in fact, going back to integrity and to the human factor, what we're discussing, there are parts that AI, first of all, should never, never make decisions on. And the second, cannot even make the decisions. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I understand all the worry. To summarize, I do think that AI is going to take over a lot of unnecessary content as in you know content production and no, nobody is looking at that content it's just like diarrhea <laughs> <laughs> you know i i get that but intelligence all the soft skills such as empathy all of that decision making the human factor and indeed matters such as moral ethics and integrity that's in our hands and that should stay also in our hands as well yeah, yeah it's interesting because we before i get sidetracked down the road of ai and i've got some pretty strong views myself on ai i think the first point will be and you mentioned something before you started talking about this this ai conundrum which was working with your clients as partners. And it's interesting to me, and it's taken me 30 years to get to this point. It's interesting to me that we say this to our clients and we say right at the start, this is our partnership. This is, we want to, you know, be part of your marketing family. We need to know you really well, because if we are your mouthpiece, your tool for communicating we need to know what you as an organization are thinking and breathing and doing and producing, et cetera, et cetera. And I can say that until I'm blue in the face, but some clients forget that. Mm. And they just think that we are pure mouthpieces and we are execution vehicles and we're just there to issue press releases or statements or do some social media posts. And the idea for us is that we make sure our clients are educated in what we can do to be made mm. the best use of. But we also need them to pledge an allegiance to us. It's interesting as the servants of our clients, which we are because we're paid for and they they contract us to do a service. We are servants to a certain extent, but we get our clients to contract back to us. See, Jackie, this is very interesting because first of all, I think that... This is not based on research. This is my emotional exaggeration that 80% of 
the human beings out there have no idea how our field work. They have no idea what communications and PR is, for example. Really, they have no idea. They think, oh, communications PR, that's basically a beautiful spread in the Financial Times. And we direct, you know, it's basically you have to make that happen. People that are a bit further think, okay, you need lobby and you need excellent storytelling and you need, you know, ongoing relationship management. People that are even a bit further think, oh, it's more like, you know, communications PR is more like storytelling. So, uh, sorry, thought leadership. So education of the market, storytelling, indeed, a position as an expert, for example, opinion pieces much more. So also share of voice, tone of voice, all these things. Other people that are even a bit further understand that it's more about reputation, stakeholder management, different sub-goals of a company in terms of existence. So there's this big number one goal that every company has, of course, which is existence, which is money, which is sales, every, you get the point. But there are all these different sub-goals that will support that large goal, short-term and long-term. So people that understand a bit better know, okay, that's probably, you know, that what we do. But then there are people that will really get that we are basically business doctors. We are doing so much magic and so much more. And we juggle so much on a daily basis, trying to navigate ourselves in a complex world, in different interests that people have, you know, the umfeld, as we call it, in ever-changing developments, in the psychological well-being of people. That's what we are. We are a business doctor, right? And we are focused on the human aspect of organizations as well. So everything that has to do with psychology, philosophy, spirituality even. You know, these are really wise building blocks that we can use in what we do. So coming to, first of all, what the client thinks that we do and how we should educate them, that's one thing. But second also, coming back to AI and to the future of our domain, whereas everybody is, you know, panicking at the moment. And I, I really understand that I have this very uncomfortable feeling. I also think that there is a major, major opportunity to take the lead in that, you know, in a human aspect, because we know what it is to deal with all these things on a daily basis, all these different interests and much more. And to, for example, think of, okay, the junior media or PR manager roles that we used to have so far, probably, you know, there it, it could be a real chance, there could be a scenario here that these roles will become much more purpose managers in the much future. more interesting as well, because, and here is where I think AI is really misinterpreted. If everybody could see AI as just that artificial intelligence, it's called AI for a reason, it's artificial <laughs> intelligence, It's not real, it's not empathetic intelligence, it's not emotional intelligence, it's not any kind of balanced and wholesome intelligence, it's artificial intelligence. And I work with a number of AI companies, and one of my CEOs, I was literally, literally did, um, just went, ran, ran through an opinion piece of his today. And in it, he says, and it's so true, and this is AI for games developers, so he's developing a platform for creative people who are worried that AI will take away their jobs 
that the AI will be able to create games. AI will not be able to create games, but AI will be able to take a lot of the grunge work out of creating games. So in, if we translate that grunge work into our lives, it could be doing that research, like you said, it could be compiling a load of information that is competitive analysis, that's segmented and 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 laid out for us to be able to quickly make a decision on what each competitor is doing and how we are going to respond to that in our comms. It could be all of those research tasks or copying tasks or get the coffee type tasks that juniors come into and tear their hair out thinking, why have I spent all this money doing a degree <laughs> in communication and <laughs> PR just to do some photocopying and just to do some research? Yeah. So I really believe that mastered properly, a bit like the previous industrial revolution, or even like a recent revolution in our lifetimes, like computers making our lives a lot easier and the internet making our lives a lot easier, AI will do the same thing. And so I am not scared of it. I do remember the fear mongers. Do you remember when we had the 2000, year 2000? Lyle probably won't remember because he was in nappies, but... When there was the year 2000. I was seven, so maybe still, yeah, possibly. Yeah, um, but, but maybe, yeah, I mean. Yeah. When, when, when it was year 2000, everybody was scared that the world was going to end because the computers had taken over and it wouldn't know how to clock over 1999 into 2000. And that was a huge scare across the world. It was a global panic. People were stocking up tin cans of food because they thought that the retail system, the supply chains were all going to break down. Of course, nothing like that happened, but mm. it was the big brother fear factor. And that will come into any kind of huge mm. technical change that we will experience. And yes, but even but let's say even if it's going to be this Frankenstein scenario and it's going to be <laughs> really, really, really scary for all of us. Let's imagine that for a moment. Even then, we are as humans are very adaptable, flexible, resourceful, mentally strong, what have you. So we can find our way and we can do still whatever is the the, the core of our job in a certain domain in a different way. Yeah. So for example, let's say, let's talk about these, you know, juniors, meteor PR talents that we have right now that do sometimes things you would say, oh my God, really? Again, all that admin, again, this, again, that. We get those tasks and they need to happen. So, okay, those tasks will be done by AI. Let's say it would be this way. There's a big opportunity, I believe, and a scenario that I can see to have their tasks more shaped into being a purpose manager because we are working on purpose all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So, of course, it's about the existence of a company and IQ, competences, knowledge, all of that. Then it's about, you know, EQ as in you need relationships in order to do business with people. You can be the best at something, but if you're not good at, you know, relationships and you don't have soft skills, you don't, uh, you end up nowhere. But then there is this over aging, you know, umbrella SQ, if you will, about why do we do what we do? You know, what's behind it? Because earning money, of course, that's logical. But what is actually what we're doing? And that's purpose in yeah. a popular term. So for purpose, 
and to manage purpose, to look at those subgoals that an organization has, it's actually what we're doing right now already. So stakeholder and reputation management are in there. They're, you know, they're intertwined. But it's also something that requires critical thinking that requires, you know, being fresh, being open and so on. It's not like, okay, we're going to make some content, whatever. This is the next chatbot or whatever, some social media post. You know, not very challenging. But a purpose manager can actually have a lot of sharpness and has to be, you know, somebody who looks at things with intelligence and who can manage that properly. So it sounds to me like a, you know, a very interesting next phase of our, of our field of what we're doing. I agree. However, let me let me give a little contra to that. I think you're talking about purpose from the position of experience. And I would challenge a graduate to tell me that they knew their own purpose, let alone be able to analyze. <laughs> Sorry, old graduates, I know, but I've got a graduate, I've got two graduates living with me at the moment. So there is that element of needing to have the experience and go through some processes to be able to mm. have that understanding of how to analyze how to intelligently communicate purpose how would you say we do that because right now that is done through going through all that grungy kind of like you've got to it's that old you've got to start at the bottom to work your way up how can we bring purpose more into an integrity more into the mainstream of what we do now almost like be there first before the other bigger agencies catch up because at the moment all they're still working on is their coverage analysis how can we sort of bring that sort of business doctoring to the fore with maybe our junior people who come in straight out of university and I don't mean to do them down because I do love all of my graduate recruits wonderful wonderful question I think that there is a difference with the generations that we are seeing growing up right now. They have certain types of intelligence, of sharpness, of ways of looking at the world that we had to develop ourselves. And it's the way it goes. Each generation, you know, grows up and uh, it becomes smarter actually than than the previous ones. So in terms of talking about a purpose of themselves, but also, you know, more importantly, of a client and the existence, basically, of a client. I think those, you know, sharp, fresh minds can actually have amazing, amazing ideas. And it's not about junior versus very senior. In fact, to be honest, the whole business model in which we had that kind of hierarchy in the typical agency world, yes, of course, you need to work as a team. And yes, of course, sometimes a junior would need to lean against, you know, a more senior uh, consultant. That's all logical. But there is no hierarchy in terms of intelligence, in terms of ideas, in terms of go and speak up your mind and Tell us, you know, your great ideas, even if you're just fresh from college, that doesn't really matter. Who cares about that, right? We're all human beings. And most of all, what we tend to forget in this discussion is that we bring everything from ourselves to work, meaning our backgrounds, our heritage, our nationality, our culture, our, I don't know, whatever it may be, everything. So let's say on the level of a role, there is a distinction between private and work. Of course, because it's about the tasks. But in fact, especially with what we do, it's all about human beings, about the human factor in everything. So you bring everything of who you are to work. So why not look into that? You know, inclusivity, 
diversity and so on. So I don't, you know, I don't foresee any issues as long as teamwork is in place. That's really important. And I think also making it a safe place to mm. fail. Because, and that's that's kind of where I was getting to with my question, is that our old, and we're, we're walking into Web3 at the moment, which is literally turning everything upside down. Our old systems that we had in place were very much judged by old values and old principles and the old ways of doing things. And if you failed, you're out. Mm. And I fundamentally don't agree with that. I think that you need to have establish a safe place where people can make a mistake, say the wrong thing, and learn from it in a much more open environment. The most brilliant achievers of our history have all failed like a billion times and then built something that was extraordinary. And we see the extraordinary part, the top of you know the horizon, whereas all the failures are behind it. And especially like you say, in the time that we're in right now and also in the near future and, and Web3, even Web5 and much more that is coming, it's very much new to us. So it's very much about safety and the ability to experiment in certain areas as well and to find our way to find what is next so for example also in the Netherlands if I look at the public debate and the trends and much more we talk about you know abuse a lot at the moment Mm -hmm. so 2022 was all about you know sexual abuse within the the business world or other forms of like discrimination racism much more everybody so let's say the personal is actually used to bring up a collective point and you know so everybody wants to be seen in this battle if you will and a battle for good I would say because what is happening at the moment is that we're looking into the norms what what do we stand for what is really something you know we're shaping integrity together how do we want to proceed moving forward and things that were hidden or did not come to the surface or that were looked away from or all these you know these these structures that you know you know, they're being looked at at the moment. And there is this this normative increase, if you will. So it's a very interesting period. And this can all happen if there is a safe ground to do so, if we are able to have these discussions with respect and much more, and if we're able to experiment. This also goes for what we're going to do for, you know, different technological, you know, developments that are uh, going on, but also for the teamwork within the agencies as well. Absolutely. I am loving this. I kind of was led to believe that Jackie had kind of half her face, like not particularly operational. And so I'd be like kind of taking the lead and directing it and what have you. And I basically uh, just spent the last... They all say that, right? They now. all say it, Peter, They all do. But for the last like sort of 20 minutes or so, I've just been sat here going, man, it's just so great to listen to two kind of giants of the game, just like really, really sort of delivering some wisdom and some like absolute sort of numbers you're, of gold. You're giving me too much credit. Bless you. There you go. You know, all, all guests. Yes, there you go. But no, thank you so much for, for all of that. That's amazing. And by, might I add, are you ready for this, Jackie? Are you ready? A conversation that I've listened to with such enjoyment that has contained so much integrity, which is what we've been talking about thus far in the episode. Speaking of integrity, tell us a little bit about the integrity talk. Segway, Jackie. Segway. You know I love a segue, right? You know I love a link. Yeah, Jackie, Dina Perla, honestly, Jackie, just like every episode we do she's like how are you segues segues, <laughs> segues. Yes. my, my catch words my catch phrases and segues one of them yet. i haven't said it yet 
<laughs> wait for it listeners you know you know what to expect but Dina Perna tell us a little bit about the integrity talks and also if I can kind of expand on that question as well you've spoken about so much so far on this on this episode about the human aspect of public relations about communications about PR you spoke to us so much about sort of how important it is to be you know a storyteller in this space and how important these soft skills are you've done so much throughout your career talk to us a little bit about the integrity talks this this new venture you've set up but also how you've managed to maintain the integrity within yourself whilst doing all these different things throughout your career. Because that, you know, we've spoken about how integrity is something we create together and we pull along together. And a value system is also really, really important. But when you're doing so many different things, sometimes sticking to one core value system, belief system can be quite tricky, can't it? Because you're doing so many different things. So I suppose that's a a sort of a two-ended question. It's the integrity talk tell us a bit about that but also how you've succeeded in in maintaining that throughout your career there is a lot in there and it's going to be a very very it's actually going to be five podcasts do we have the space <laughs> <laughs> hey we do we have the space always always there's many podcasts you need you're always welcome back absolutely <laughs> of course, of course. Um, yes but first of all let's let's start with the integrity talks um i think that's the, the, the you know the easiest part so it's something that in dutch there's an expression expression that says it comes out of your toes meaning it's so you know coming from within you it's your intrinsic motivation and that's basically the integrity talks that come for me it's where personal and the business world align where they come together because i have a quite a history myself and I've been very public about it. So I, I grew up in a close up ultra orthodox community, fought my way out of it, experienced many forms of coercion, even things that we call harmful traditional practices, which is basically, you know, I was on my way to not finishing high school, to being married off and these sort of things. And from this minus thousand, I would say position, I built up a life and then here I am talking to you. And In the past, it was not something that I would show to the world and I did not do anything with it. But when I got, as I call it, biologically childless, so I did not have any children due to where I come from, I was sort of, you know, caught up by the first 18 years of my life. I sort of started to think, okay, oh my goodness, you know, I should really do something about this history, not for branding, not for insta-perfect bullshit. In fact, that's a certain opinion I will throw in, you know, in there. Um, I feel that why the hell are we women selling ourselves like that, you know, displaying because of branding? It's like data prostitution. Come on. We female have professionals have much more to offer than Insta Perfect. So it wasn't for all of these purposes. It was really for change short term. And I did create a lot of change. Also within that closed up community, I went back and did a lot of lobby work and much more, but also long term about imprints in history. That is why I do what I do. That is why I use this voice. So the fundamental of my own life, so the first 18 years of my life, not having any voice, having lack of integrity, experienced lack of integrity in so many forms, so coercion, 
in so many forms, but also, you know, I, I was a kid who had to be placed out of the house, but they didn't. So the rabbis didn't. The people, you know, looked away. They made mis the same mistakes over and over again. They kept out the civil helping organizations, special organizations, because they wanted to keep it, you know, shoved it under the rug and keep it in the community. All sorts of power structures. These are the things. Basically, I had no voice. And because of this fundament and the fact that my reputation got, you know, broken, all sorts of things has to do with narcissism, sadism, not so much the dogmas, because I experienced these sorts of mechanisms within that closed up community, the fundament in which I did not have a voice, I became one, right? That's how the storyteller actually started out to grow in me. And, you know, I became a voice for, as I said, for the clients, for myself, and also looking at things with a really big sense of justice. So that is also what integrity is about, mm. about justice, right? So we all know these things in which, you know, these business ecosystems in which a lot goes wrong, culturally speaking, mentally speaking, everything that has to do with intentions, attitudes, and behavior. And that is actually what the Integrity Talks is about. And I'm in this point, you know, in my career, and I've... Well, first of all, I know a lot about risk governance compliance. For many, many, many years, I've been really active in that space and it really suits me. But also I've seen, you know, quite a lot in terms of what we do. And at some point it doesn't feel really, really challenging anymore. And of course I have this really big personal history myself and being through so much and even grown from it, learned how to deal with personal trauma, how to become wiser, stronger, and much more. So I have so much to offer. And I really believe that it's possible. There is this niche in our domain that I can zoom in on and that I can focus on. And that's basically what I'm trying to build up right now. So the Integrity Talks is a platform. And of course, it has different, you know, marketing opportunities. There's a reach of 50,000 people. I myself, I'm part of different networks. You know how it goes. But yeah. that's not basically, you know, the point of it. The point of it is, of course, working with people one-on-one. -on -one really in the form of integrity consults. And you know what I, I, I noticed, and this is something that you know as well, a lot of people will focus on the executive level. They will focus on that or they will focus on different processes within an organization. Whereas I don't believe in that necessarily. So I believe that organizations are becoming much more ecosystems in which personal growth is being supported. So it means that if you get to work with people one-on-one -on, -one on what it means for them to lead a life with integrity, what is actually their blueprint, you get to see a sort of ripple effect, more people that are vital, more people that are actually, you know, focusing on what is right for them and so on. And then you get a true ripple effect within the organization itself. And you can do that also in different teams, and much more. And that is what I'm focusing on. Not necessarily C plus or, you know, the top level. I've done it all. I talked with these people so, so, so often. But I really don't believe in only working with them and having them leading, you know, by example only and defining what is right. And, you know, it's very, very, very much going to be an era for the human, the individuals in the coming period. Can I 
ask you a question. It's pretty much a little bit off topic in a way, but it's just because you are such a fascinating person. Did your upbringing and, you know, you're in a very extreme side of your religion. Did that affect your personal faith? Because I think something you said earlier on, which was we're all some of our parts and that Mm -hmm. faith that you were brought up within is the sum of your parts. And has that sort of, because I do believe that there's there's an intrinsic link between people of faith, and I am one of those, and you can disagree and agree with it, but I do think that that empathy is encouraged within followers of faith. Mm. Um, We're encouraged to think about other people, to put ourselves in other people's shoes. So that's a sum of, you know, I'm a sum of, that's one of my parts. What about you? Did you feel that having been a victim of the circumstance of which of your upbringing do you, do, did that affect your faith sorry that's a very long way of asking a short question <laughs> and it's a, a very off topic indeed uh, a very off topic question indeed but it's that's all good and it's a very interesting question and a very complex one to answer but i will try to do it as easy and as simple as possible and that is this what i found out not just from my history but I looked into hundreds of histories from other people, from all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of faiths. Also the Christian faith, for example, in America, you have so many flavors, you know, the Amish community, Mennonites, Mormons, you you get all of them. Mm-hmm. And I studied all of them for years. I noticed that people that break free have, basically there are more phases, but they have four really big defining phases in their lives. Number one, the breaking free from where they come from, of course. So really the fight to get out of it. Number two is the direct reaction to where they come from. So you would see in that phase that people turn into certain beliefs or become very atheist or political driven in a certain way. Or in my case, I was very feminine and, you know, dressed with all sorts of colors and hairstyles and hair colors and fabrics and what have you. I was like very, very feminine because it wasn't able. I wasn't able before. And there's, of course, much more behind it. Then number three, the third phase is the phase in which I'm now. And that's more the phase of your most authentic self. So where you came from, everything is more healed. It's you're grown. It's behind you in a, in a certain way. So it's m- not so much about reacting to where you come from, but really about much more about, okay, but who am I truly? What is my core, mm. right? And then number four is the phase in which the status quo gets not as impacted or affected or whatever by that beginning of your life. So by where you come from, it's the status quo in which your decisions or your interaction with others are less impacted by, you know, your fundamentals, if you will. Now, what you see with people that have been brought up in a very religious environment is that they will go back and forth between those phases. There are many more sub-phases, if you will, but those four are the main ones, and they will go back and forth in during their entire life. There is also something very, very strongly with a lot of, I mean, with a lot of strong evidence that is called religious trauma. So a lot of things that happen on a psychological level, even on a spiritual level, if you want to talk that way, that get ingrained because of somebody's past. And yes, victimhood, you know, is is also part of it and what it does to human being long term. So for example, a very straightforward example of that is people that are 
out of the cage, if you will. So the doors of the cage are open, but they're not able to make their own decisions and to step out of the cage. Or they don't know so much, you know, whether a certain belief is actually theirs or comes from the upbringing that they had, from the programming, from the dogmas, the brainwash, all of that, or from the social aspect of it. Because let's not underestimate the social influence of the people in that community as well. So basically, people leave the community for three main reasons. Again, there are many sub-reasons, but three are always there. And that is number one, the behavior of others. That was, in my case, number one with you know, capital letters and all of that. And number two, some form of trauma. Well, in my case, of course, some abuse. And number three is the differences in terms of beliefs. And you would see that people that leave the community have a sort of mixture of those three. Now, coming back to what you said and asking about faith, you know, where do I stand with this personally? So I'm a person who's really, really spiritual. And I've been, at some point, I've been studying at least five, hours a day since 2012 like hoarding this knowledge every single day it's like my it's unbelievable and that's actually how I healed myself how I did it how I was saying you know I'm also highly intelligent highly um you know sensitive as well so I'm able to hoard this knowledge and to get all these tools and methods and to compare and so on and the whole thing in my case, it's too much. And that's what I've been doing for such a long time. So I got to ask myself the question, okay, you're a seeker, go for it. Investigate, see what the others have written, see what is out there and much more. And I believe that, first of all, the religion did not break the spark in me. So the the beards, as I call them, if you will, you know, so the rabbis, the leaders (laughs) did not break the spark of magic of there could be more and, you know, in me. So it's still there. And there is something that is beyond religion. So if there is something like God, it would be for me, true intelligence. It's everything. It's everywhere. It's us. It's within us. It's timeless. It's, you know, before our birth, after our birth. It's very simple. The Second World War, what we do to each other, the war in Russia, Ukraine right now, the harmful traditional practices, the forms of coercion in a broader sense, it's all us. It's all our choice and it's all our bullshit and our ugliness and what have you. And there's a certain intelligence in the world. We're always moving forward, but horrible things happen, even though we're always moving forward. But it's like a GPS nothing get lost in time space all these dimensions that are out there we're always moving forward and we're always redirected towards a solution towards the light so every single time that shit happens there's always a solution that is you know at the end of it you've been channeling that Mm. into the promotion of integrity and people tapping into well it's consciousness yes But it's also, it's not up to me to, for example, teach this is the way it is or you should believe in it or whatever. It's more like what I can do is open a ground, right, Mm -hmm. and facilitate certain amounts of deep thinking, you know, really going inwards. And then how knowing how to compare things or ask certain questions or investigate 
And my blueprint is my blueprint. That is why I'm Dina Perla. But your <laughs> blueprint is your blueprint. That's why you're Jackie and Lyle, right? So it's not, that's what I believe. It's so tailor-made. It was supposed to be tailor-made. The different religions and and expressions and, you know, how people channel, you know, what God is. It was supposed to be a variety of all sorts of flavors and what have you. However, coming back to integrity indeed and to whether people with certain religious background have a certain, you know, extra feeling for it or not. I don't think that there is a complete answer about, you know, a, a direct answer in, in terms of yes or no. And I don't have any statistics. I haven't done any research on that. I could not give you an on honest answer. I could, you know, make the case for either way, to be honest. You could. Yeah. One more thing here. And that is that we all have certain basic principles that are everywhere that we all know of. That is it's in Christianity, in Judaism, in Hinduism, in Buddhism, in uh, Islam, in it doesn't matter where. It's called, first of all, being a human being, right? And having certain experiences, but also certain ideas that are just so engraved in who we are in this human experience and that have been here for ages and ages and ages. And we can also find ourselves within these basic principles. So in short, I don't have an answer very like brief yes or no. But these basic principles are definitely worth it. That is what I can say. Incredible answer. A superb, superb answer. And thank you so much for also just opening up about your history and your not just your career, but your life so far. You're so right, Dina Perla, as well. We're going to need at least two more podcasts uh, <laughs> because we haven't got into this brilliant talk you're delivering in March, which, by the way, um, I was going to ask you about, but we're going to put a link on the episode description on all of the streaming platforms to uh, that talk to where you can sort of see Dina Perla do her thing. We're you also know what, put a link. Yeah. You know what about that? Very briefly, it's about winning business with integrity and everybody can have a sort of imagination on what that means, right? right? What the context is. But I would say in our sector, so the agency world specifically, people need to be a bit more respectful and nice to each other. Yes, competition yeah. is there on the level of the business, of the task, of the Definitely. ideas, of the content, but not on an individual level, you know? Sure. Uh, and that is something that I'd like to uh, bring across. Brilliant stuff. And we will put a link to where you can sort of see more when it comes to that talk and when it's on. I know it's in March. I know I know exactly where it is. I can visualize the name of where it is, but at risk of embarrassing myself, I will not try <laughs> to pronounce where it is. Um, but, <laughs> you see, I would have got that totally wrong. And you see, that's, you know, so, you know, I, I wasn't acting with a huge amount of integrity there because I should have just had a go. Um, but that's all right. No, that's fine. But thank you. Perfect pronunciation of where that's going to be. And Dina Perla, it has been honestly one of the most incredibly fascinating chats we have had on the podcast so far. I really, really appreciate you for coming on and for getting in touch and for sort of being so open and honest about all sorts of things. And we would love to have you back on if if uh, if you'll have us. Uh, sort of vice versa. That'd be uh, that'd be amazing. We can get the throne back involved that you're sitting on so exquisitely. Next time I vote for the red one. Oh, see, she's got she's got options. That's amazing. Dina has got options. <laughs> Dina Perla Portner of the Integrity Talks and Dina Perla Business. Thank you so much for being on The Rest is PR with Jackie and myself this week. Time to do my T's and C's, listeners, classic T's and C's. If you want to get in touch with the podcast like Dina Perla did, you can contact us on info at demozo.com or info at the rest is PR.com. Also, Dina Perla got in touch with me on LinkedIn. 
feel free to do that. If you want to link in with uh, myself or Jackie, Lyle Fulton, Jackie Vores, send us a message. That's also fine. However you want to get in touch, that's also great. If you want to find out more about what the podcast is up to, that is therestispr.com. If you want to find out what Demozo has been up to, that is demozo.com. All very straightforward. And like I said, we'll put links to everything Dina Perla is involved with currently and will be in the future as we head into 2023, the first episode of 2023. We'll link all those things in our episode descriptions on all those major streaming platforms. Dina Perla, thank you so much once again. Jackie, same time next week. Another guest next week. Yes. Another Who? guest next week. Eric. Oh my God. Lovely Eric. So Eric's coming on as well. We've got guests galore so far heading into 2023. We're absolutely buzzing for that. But listeners, thank you so much once again for joining us on the latest episode of The Rest is PR. And we will see you next week for another exciting installment of The Rest is PR. From Dina Perla, Jackie and myself, it's bye for now. Bye.